Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello there everyone. Hey guess what, I'm so excited. We are about to hit 10,000 downloads which I'm like super pumped about that and I just wanted to say thank you to you guys. That's not bad for, pretty amazing actually, for an Australian podcast and um, you know we've built the community from scratch, none of those computer programs where you buy, not buy followers but you know the computer programs that try and beef up your followers, I don't do any of that, that's real raw community, don't even have a website, it's just been through word of mouth and Instagram so thank you. I am busy with my favorite design person Renee the other Renee working out how we can celebrate so stay tuned for that but I just wanted to say thank you it is because of you guys coming in and listening and sharing can you make sure you keep sharing I know last week I had Shani on and her mum obviously listened to the podcast because Shani was on it and she was like oh my gosh I didn't know this this existed I'm going to share it with all my friends. I'm going to make sure everyone knows. So yeah, I really appreciate that. So share it around um, either through Instagram or just share people the the direct link. So there you go. The other thing I wanted to remind you, make sure that you pop along to my Instagram, girlnextdoor.podcast because every week I do a five-minute convo with my daughter, Georgia. And again, everyone's loving that. And we just try and come up with something random each week sometimes fun sometimes serious so pop along and have a look at that so anyway here we go episode 16 this is the third part in our girl boss collection which again I've been getting messages daily um, and I just thank you so much for that you are all enjoying this um, series and so I definitely will do another series soon So this one obviously has been all about how do you totally nail being a girl leader in your space. And we've done, we had Shani last week, the first week I had a chat about how to be a girl boss in a guy world. And today, we're going to talk about the secrets, the shocking secrets, the controversial secrets of a girl boss. So I know you all are probably wondering what on earth I'm going to talk about, but I want to share a couple of things with you. And sometimes when I'm going to talk about something a little bit controversial, I will taste test via my Instagram. And I did that on my personal Instagram and I just put something out there um, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because you're going to have to go along to my personal Instagram and have a look, Renee Bennett. I think it's underscore. I can't remember. Um and I just put a little kind of thing out there, which I wrote in notes and just threw up as a post and it got a lot of feedback. So, so many comments, a lot of interaction, a lot of, a lot of likes, which for me helps me to see, oh, this is a topic that people really want to hear about. They are agreeing with me on this. And I'm going to talk to you today about a couple of things that are very controversial because they're so widely accepted and so widely touted as the truth, not just in the world, but in the church and particularly amongst female leaders. And I wanted to have a look and unpack those things today and basically talk to you about why if you want to be 
a real total girl boss and do life super well in whatever area that God's called you to, that you need to not believe these things. We need to challenge some of these things. You know, girls, just because something is popular doesn't make it right. And just because something has been agreed upon or shared amongst a lot of people and considered to be normal doesn't make it right. And we need to be girls who are very thoughtful about always seeing the world through a a Bible worldview, through our Christian worldview. We shouldn't agree with things because it's popular. We should always go, hang on a second, what does the Bible say about this? What does God say about this? And weigh it up against that. So I bet you're busting to know what it is. Now, these couple of things I want to talk about, I have seen them touted at women's conferences. I've seen it touted around in the world, on social media, by celebrities, um, by well-known people in the church. You will find it all over Pinterest. You will find it all over Google. You can even get these couple of things printed up and framed to put on your wall. But we're not going to do that because I'm going to share with you why we shouldn't believe them, why these things are actually myths that girl bosses should not believe. So the first one is this, you are enough. That is the first myth that I want to bust tonight, today. You are enough. We see this everywhere. I've seen celebrities putting this up on their posts and I've seen it in a lot of places and I want to tell you and me today we're not enough you are not enough I am not enough no one is enough now let me just say I know that people are well-meaning when they say this but I don't agree because I don't believe that you know I'm, I'm not disagreeing because I don't believe they mean well but because I know that God's solution to this whole dilemma of not feeling good enough, his solution is far better than our solution, which is to go around with this mantra, hey girl, you're enough. That is not going to fix the dilemma of not feeling enough. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's why I really want to just pull this apart today. You know, if telling ourselves that we were enough actually helped, then we would all be fixed by now. But obviously, it's we haven't been fixed. Our issues haven't been fixed. There is more disconnection than ever before. There is more comparing than ever before. There are more people that are are suffering with with mental health issues than before. It is a self-mantra that we can tell ourselves until we are blue in the face. But it's not going to fix the problem of not feeling good enough. So for a start is it's a really me-centered gospel. Like it's kind of watering Jesus down to him being our gal pal, making us feel better about ourselves. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is complete opposite to being me-centered. But you know the reason I'll tell you the reason why people tout this whole you are enough I am enough they're actually trying to comfort themselves in their insecurities and they're well-meaning in doing so but it is a comforting lie we can comfort ourselves with something but it can still be a lie 
And the reason it's a lie, guys, is it's not biblical. Because if I'm enough and you're enough, then why did Jesus have to go and die on the cross for us? Like we don't need a savior if we're enough. And the Bible does not say anywhere that we're enough. Anywhere. In fact, it says the complete opposite. The Bible says that we're lacking in Romans 3.23. It says all have fallen short of God's glorious standards. You have fallen short and I have fallen short. We are all deeply flawed because of sin. So it's a very flawed theology to go around thinking that we can believe the sentence, I am enough. So the other reason, and I would almost consider this, um, gosh, I'd almost use the word dangerous, but the Bible uses the word curse. Let's just say it how the Bible says it. If I'm enough for myself, then that means that I'm enough for others too. Because, hey, if I'm enough for me, then I can be enough for you. But the Bible actually says, and you can look it up yourself in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans and who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. So you can see that touting this whole you are enough is so opposite to scripture because what that's doing is it's putting your trust and your strength in humans, whether that human be yourself or someone else. And the Bible is clear that when we do that, our hearts are turned away from God. So to believe and to start telling others, you just got to believe yourself. You just got to believe that you're enough. No, 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 no. The Bible says that when you do that, you're actually cursed and your heart is turned away from God. So, you know, I'm not enough for my husband and he's not enough for me. I remember back in Cameron's and my early days, or probably even before we got married even, I remember people saying, you know, you can't expect your husband to be the savior for you or to fix you or that all of a sudden you're going to be married and it's going to fix all your issues. It doesn't work that way. It's unfair of me to expect Cameron to be my savior. It's unfair to expect him to fulfill something in me that only God can fulfill. I'm not enough for him and he is not enough for me. I'm not enough for my kids and they're not enough for me. And you're not enough for your boyfriend and he's not enough for you. That's why, you know, even people that struggle in certain areas that want certain things, they they want things because they think those things can fulfill them, that those things will make them feel like their life is enough and they are enough. But the truth is nothing, nothing can make us feel that way. In fact, it's, it's actually pride because only Jesus is enough. And do you know what? Admitting that we're not enough is actually a freeing thing. It's a relief. It is a relief because I don't have to try to be something anymore. I can just rely on Jesus. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, the Bible says it's his perfect power that radiates or shines in my weakness, that infiltrates my weakness. So it's his perfect power or his enoughness that radiates my not enoughness. So Therefore, in him, we far exceed enough, but not because of us, but because of him. When we are free to admit that we're not enough, then we are free to run to him and to cling to the God who is. So in fact, when we see that you are enough, I am enough. Think of that scripture, because if we go on further in that scripture, it actually starts talking about we should boast and brag in our weaknesses. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. 
So if we wanted to really be correct about this, we should be saying the opposite. We should be, hey, hey girl, I'm so glad that I'm weak. I've, you know what? I'm not enough and I'm so glad about that. I'm not enough. You are not enough. But you know what? I'm so glad. I'm going to brag about that because when we can be free enough to admit that, now Jesus can come in and he can make me strong. And so we can, by the Bible says, actually boast in our weakness because then Christ's power is made strong in us. Um, really similar to what I was saying a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, go back and listen to Botox, bed hair and stained glass windows. I talked about how we're flawed and we're broken and we're not enough. But I didn't say that the answer to all that is by putting up on social media, oh no, you are, you are enough. No, don't believe that. You're enough. No, 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 that's not the answer. The answer, when we say we need to accept our flaws, accept how we are, that's because we understand that when we are broken and flawed and we're not enough, that's when the light of Christ can shine through us. So all of us have fallen short of the gospel. I've fallen short. You've fallen short. And no amount of works, including telling ourselves that we're enough, is going to fix that. So we've got to remember that Jesus died for us because his love for us is perfect. He is perfect and he chose to die for us because he loves us, not because we're enough or not because we're good. In fact, he did it because we're not enough and we're not good. So there you go. That is shocking secret number one. You are not enough. Okay, here we go for the second one. Are you ready? The second one is this. Self-love is a myth that we shouldn't believe. Oh yeah, just Google self-love. So Google self-care and self-love. And in fact, I was doing some research for this podcast before I was um, recording. And every time I would look up something around that, all the opposite stuff, the stuff that I'm trying to debunk would come up. Like it is so popular. All You, you have a look on Pinterest, you just put in the word self-love and all these posts will come up. The 10 ways to love yourself better, the whatever, do this, do that, care for yourself better. It's all about loving yourself, being kinder to yourself, championing yourself. Now, a lot of the Christians who tout this self-love will use Mark chapter 12, verse 30 to 31, which we're all pretty familiar with, which is the second greatest command we're given, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. So people use that and say, well, okay, I can't love my neighbor until I love myself. So I have to love myself to love my neighbor. Can I just say, first of all, the command was not to love ourselves. The command was to love our neighbor. The command was this, love your neighbor. And then the caveat was, as you love yourself. So it wasn't a command to love ourselves. That was just kind of like a given. So it should stand to reason that we need to love ourselves in order to fulfill this command to love other people, right? If you love yourself more, then you can love other people better. So the messages that we subconsciously are fed through social media, which are destructive, which contribute to a lot of our poor mental health, are all of those messages that, and it's not that people say this out loud, but the way that people post themselves the way they talk about their lives, it makes you feel like, oh, okay, well, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not accomplished enough. I'm not popular enough. I'm not famous enough. So what self-love is doing, 
the whole self-love movement, it actually means well. The heart of it means well. It is there to fight back against shame. Self-love is there to fight back against low self-esteem with the message that we need to start loving and accepting ourselves, flaws and all. Sounds good, right? We can't love others if we don't love ourselves. So the self-love movement comes to the conclusion that true confidence and security and ability to love others comes from self-love. Now at its root, self-love is actually the pursuit of our own well-being and happiness. And it's all about being your own personal cheerleader. I read something really recently on social media from a really popular um, Christian person who talked about being kinder to yourself and more accepting of yourself and loving yourself. And, you know, it can take all sorts of forms, this self-love, like relaxation and reciting positive affirmations, whatever it is, or or look it up, look it up on Pinterest, self-care, that'll all be there for you. But as Christians, we need to understand the difference between this way of thinking, the self-love way of thinking, and where the Bible says that our worth actually comes from. So let me say this, I'm not therefore saying to do and be the opposite. I'm not saying, okay, well then if you shouldn't, if you shouldn't follow the self-love movement, well, the opposite of that would be to be self-deprecating and to be down upon yourself. I'm not saying that either. That, that is a sin also. But what I'm saying is that we need to understand that the only way that we can truly love ourselves properly is not to love ourselves more. And it's not to do the opposite and be over the top so humble that you're going to just criticize yourself because you're so humble. The only way to truly love ourselves is to understand our value in Jesus. So that's why I'm saying that self-love is a myth and it is wrong because we're not going to love ourselves better by professing this self-love. We were made in God's image. So as humans, we have inherent worth and value. All people are made in the image of God and as such are precious and valuable. So let's go back to that scripture, Mark chapter 12, verse 31. We should love ourselves so we can love our neighbors. We can't love ourselves, then how can we love others? But what happens is self-love misinterprets this text. This Bible verse actually assumes that we already love ourselves. It actually doesn't doubt that. And you know what? It's true. We actually all want the best for ourselves. Even when we're consumed with self-loathing, it's actually because we are thinking about ourselves too much. We may struggle with insecurity, but as described here in this scripture, we all still naturally pursue our own well-being and happiness. So that's why we're thinking about ourselves in the first place. So first of all, this scripture assumes that we already do love ourselves but in a healthy godly way 2 timothy 3 verse 2 to 4 warns us that in the last days people will be lovers of self rather than lovers of god this scripture reminder reminds us that we have a tendency to love ourselves above god that our love of self can actually become destructive the bible in this scripture back in Mark 31, is actually referring to our healthy, natural human tendency to take care of ourselves and our well-being. But the self-love movement suggests that we're all inherently good and lovable, but we're not. 
Romans 3.10 tells us that none are righteous. Romans 3.12 tells us that no one does good, not even one. The command is to love others. The given is that we already love ourselves. What we need to do is stop thinking about ourselves. That we want to, you know, just stop thinking all the time. I I should be prettier. I should be skinnier. I need to be more acceptable. We don't need more self-love. We need God's love. Our value and loving ourselves doesn't come from more self-love. It actually comes from understanding our value in Christ. It's a healthy love we have for ourselves because we understand that we have value because God made us. That's why doing the opposite is also sinful. Being self-deprecating is also sinful because if you're criticizing yourself, then you're also not understanding the value that you have in God because you're made in his image. But then on the other hand, if you're all about self-love, then that's the opposite. That's promoting yourself above God. So can you see that there are two or three kinds of love? The healthy one, which is us loving ourselves because we understand that we're made in God's image and that we are loved by God and valued. But the other two, self-love, which is putting ourselves above that and making more of ourselves than we ought, but then the opposite is to criticize ourself, um, which is undervalue ourselves and both the sins. So self-love actually misses the target. And we find love. Do you know where we find it? Well, in God's presence. Psalm 16 verse 11. In God's presence, there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Romans 8, 16 and 17 reminds us we're children of God, heirs of God, adopted by him. Loving yourself more will not help you or me achieve this. We need to find ourselves in God more. That's what helps us maintain a healthy love of ourselves. You know, too, we're in a culture that prioritizes self at all cost. And the Bible teaches us again the opposite. The Bible teaches us to die to self. So we need to put on a new self. Luke chapter 9, verse 24. And this is probably one of my biggest things. Like when I was really starting to first think about this, I was like, hang on a second. If we're loving ourselves all the time, it's the complete opposite because the Bible says that if you want to save your life or find your life, you have to lose it. But whoever loses your life for Christ's sake will find it. I'm telling you, the more you buy into self-love, the more unhappy you will become. If you want to be truly fulfilled in your life, the way to do that is to lose yourself by finding Christ and to lose yourself in the service of others or in the service of Christ, which is the service of others. And to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Christ. But you know, I mean, hey, it's a heck of a lot more sexy, right? To talk about self-love. I mean, what are we going to start doing? Putting up Instagrams about die to self. Maybe we should. Maybe we need some girls to start rising up. And I think I put on Instagram a little while ago, forget thyself, forget oneself. That is how we should be living. And I am so passionate about this because we have got a generation of girls who are buying into the you are enough lie, who are buying into the self-love lie, who are becoming more and more unhappy because they're focusing more and more upon themselves instead of forgetting themselves, denying themselves and living for Jesus and finding their value in Jesus. There you go.
And besides that, do you know the other reason too why we love? We love because he first loved us. That is what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 19. It doesn't say we love that we love because we first loved ourselves. No, no, it says we love because he loved us. So our freedom to love ourselves will not come as we focus on ourselves more, but as we focus on Jesus and his word. We need to fill our minds with thoughts of God and his purposes and to fight our insecurity, not with self-love, but with scripture. So there you go. There's two myths, shocking secrets. I don't know. Um, Let me know what you think. Jump on my Instagram. Have a chat with me. Um, The other thing that I wanted to do, and I'm just trying to find my phone because I've got a couple of notes on here. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about my all-time favorite girl boss because I've asked other people and chatted to other people about it, but I just wanted to tell you, oh my gosh, and I, oh, I'd love to sit down with this person and ask her what she thinks about those last two Mythbusters, but I absolutely adore the Queen. Like, I don't know, some of you might be super young and like, well, I don't really care about the Queen. Oh my gosh, girls, go and study the Queen. She is absolutely amazing. She rocks being a a girl boss. She is a royal legend. Okay, let me give you a few things. She is the longest reigning monarch in Britain. That's just like not even a girl thing. She's just the longest reigning monarch in Brisbane. She's the only person in the UK allowed to drive without a license and she still drives to this day and I think she's 93. What a girl boss. Um, Do you know during the war when her father became king, which by the way, he was never meant to be king. His brother was king. He abdicated the throne, which made her dad king. And she really, really wanted to go to war, but she was too young and her dad didn't let her. And so what she used to do was broadcast on the radio when she was 14 because she wanted to raise the morale of British children. How cute is that? She is total girl boss. The second she turned 18 and she was allowed to, you know, old enough to join the war, she begged her dad. He finally gave in to her and she became a truck mechanic in the war. What a girl boss. You can look this up. She actually, there's a photo of her changing a tire of a, of one of the war trucks. Um, She's the only girl in the royal family to have ever joined the armed forces. I mean, talk about girl boss. She she had so much guts and grits and determination. And I really wonder, there's all these questions I'd like to ask her. Like, what was it that she wanted to do with her life? She wasn't planning on becoming queen at the age of 25, but her dad died suddenly. And she's thrown into this role of being the queen. Like, how intimidating... Would she have felt she had the prime ministers of the UK answering to her? Do you know she's had 14 prime ministers have come and gone while she's reigned as queen? I want to ask her. I want to have lunch with her. I want to go have an almond milk iced latte with the queen. She would probably have a cup of tea. And I want to ask her, how did you do that? What did, what did you feel when you were 25 and you were thrown into this role? Did you want to be queen? What dreams did you have? What aspirations did you have? How intimidating was it when there were these men that were more than double your age who had to answer to you about how to run the country as prime minister? Did you even know much about politics? 
what an absolute you, I am so moved by her life you know why I don't know if she felt um you know that she wanted to be the queen from a young age I don't know what her dreams were but she has been the queen from the age of 25 right through to 93 and she has never given up she has gone through some of the most difficult times in history she has led the country and the commonwealth through some of the most difficult times in history and she has never wavered. I've never seen her have a hissy fit. I, she's got so much emotional self-control, probably too much sometimes. That's probably one of the downsides people say to her, but about her. But I want to ask her why. Why do you have almost no emotion? Like, is that the way that you cope with things? You know, she fell in love. Well, no, hang on. I don't know when she fell in love, but do you know she met her husband when she was eight and he was 14? Like, what was it like? To be in love and just newly married with, I think she had a couple of kids at the time and become queen. Like, how did she do that? She gave birth to two kids while she was queen. I want to sit down with her and ask her, what was that like? Did you make mistakes? Did you, If you did your time again, what would you change? And I want to know, who did she have to look to? Who did she have to go to when she didn't know what to do? Do you know the last female to be queen was Queen Victoria? And she died before the queen, this queen was even born. So it's not like she could just ring up Queen Victoria who died in, um, no, sorry, she reigned from 1837 to 1901. She couldn't just ring up Queen Victoria and go, hey, I'm a bit stuck on this. Like, how do I do this? Like, we've got each other girls. I've got so many girls in my life that I can call, that I can chat with. Who did she have? Who did she go to? Can you imagine how many people would have thought that she was incompetent for the job? We're talking in the 1950s and she was a female leader in a total man's world. How did she hold the line and never give up? I am in awe of her. I am in awe. Her ordination was televised and watched by over 20 million people. I want to ask her, was she nervous? Was she nervous? Like... I think what moves me the most is I know that she's got a deep reverence for God and you know I feel called to serve this generation and I reckon I'm pretty sure that the queen she takes her job like a a call from God like this is she's been anointed for this um, job and I don't look I don't know how true this is but on the crown (laughs) which apparently is quite historical she was actually anointed with oil as part of the ceremony like that moved me. I think I cried in that episode that she was moved, she was anointed with oil. She took on this role like it was God that asked her herself. Um, I know that she made a priority of going to church every Sunday. I love that. I know that she requested and had a few private meetings with Billy Graham. What did she ask him? What did they talk about? I know she was moved by his preaching. I think the queen has always had a heart turned toward God. And we could see that recently. Girls, go back and look. The queen has never addressed the country at Easter time. She always does Christmas. But she just did a recent address over the... um, It wasn't actually live on TV. uh, like As in, she didn't appear live on TV. It was just her voice. And then there was a candle burning on the screen. And she talks so outright about the resurrection power of Jesus in her message. And I'm listening to it crying like, the queen loves God. The queen loves 
Jesus and believes in the resurrection power. She is a girl boss. She's navigated the country through every difficult world event since 1952. She has served along some of the greatest men in history, like Winston Churchill. Like, what was that like? Did she? Did they laugh together? Did they ever have a joke? I don't know. She's had to make tough decisions. I don't know. I just want to sit down with her. She's an interesting person. She's got hobbies too. I love that. She's got her own hobbies. Horse riding. Apparently she likes football. Yeah, that's where her and my like discussion would stop. I don't like football. But there you go. So, girls, I really, really love you. Thank you so much for joining me. And I cannot wait to be with you all next week. And stay tuned for whatever surprise I've got coming up for you all for 10,000 downloads. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.